I learned that neon pink craft uh, mac and cheese exists. That sounds like something that should have been from the 80s. Did I, you just wake up and choose violence today? No, Charlie? I didn't. I, I, if I have to know this exists, you have to know it exists. You just you just woke up this morning like, you know what? I think I'm just going to cause some fucking chaos and let Alex know that people are out here fucking up mac and cheese. Allegedly, it tastes really bad. Like, it's got a flavor on it, and so I think it was for Valentine's Ooh. Day or something, and it's allegedly candy mac and cheese, so it has a flavor oh, no. to it. No. Oh, that sounds... Is it made with, like, peeps? I Gosh, don't... that sounds no? absolutely disgusting. It's... Uh, and... Uh, you see, the thing is, I mean, the funny thing is, mac and cheese could be practically any color, really. Yeah. So, because... It's it's all you look at the box. It's all you know artificial food coloring, anyways. You know it's like you know red and yellow, especially mashed, uh, especially craft mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know naturally, I mean, if you didn't add anything to it, it probably would just be white. And yeah, so they just colored it. Yeah, but you know they could have just colored this and just said, "Oh no, it's pink now." No, they had to say also candy flavor. Why, and to be why, fair, I have no idea if it actually has that flavor. But all I know is allegedly it tastes terrible. Maybe it's too much coloring, and I dare to think what that's doing to your insides whenever that goes through. I mean, it looks like it has way heavier coloring. I mean, I expected kind of a faint pink. That's fucking no, neon. That's some Barbie accessory pink, yeah. Yeah, that's some 80s vaporwave pink. I mean, holy shit. That that looks gruesome, and I would not eat that. That looks it looks it looks kind of like brains as well sitting in that bowl. Okay, just okay, say, just saying. Or like it, it, it's it's the all the, it's the weird pink that I would also associate with like raw beef, raw meat. Sure, like ground beef or something. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so that's that's even more off putting. I suppose people that are fine with eating raw hamburger meat, I guess they're cool with that. But no, this is a crime. I, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't just like try to do something like multicolored rainbow mac and cheese. I mean, this is a crime anyways. I, I mean, wouldn't that just turn to like sludge color? Because it would be absolutely a nightmare. Yeah, because there's no way of like squeezing multiple food colors out of a packet. Like you'd have to, like it would just kind of turn to hateful purple eventually. <laughs> you know the color I'm talking about, where all color goes to die. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode two forty three. And sure, yeah, <laughs> I am Kraken Zero, aka Henry. With me, as always, is Charlie, aka Mordak, and Alex, aka Mave Online. Wooty woot, wootly woo indeed. And we are here to talk about sometimes games, but it. Sure seems like we talk about not games a lot, too, so. I've heard our podcast described as lovely irreverent, or 
enjoyably irreverent. I don't know. <laughs> if our podcast had Yelp review page, what do you think some of the stuff you would see on there would be? I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Is this even a gaming podcast? Like, <laughs> I'm only here waiting for the day that Charlie finally snaps and just stabs Alex through the podcast. <laughs> Yes, we're back. We've got another uh, another fun weekend of news. Uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I think. Yeah, I think do we, do we have some wow hate this week. Yeah. Uh, we don't have wow hate this week. I I did play two video games though. Yeah, one because the other one was having some real problems this week. Mm. Alright, so, uh, for those who don't keep track of the loot shooter world the way I do, Outriders came out this week. It launched on April 1st, which, up until I was playing it, I was still like, are they gonna do some bullshit with this? It feels like they might do some bullshit with this, and they didn't, which I both think is a great thing, but also a horrific missed opportunity on their part, so... Eh. <laughs> and so, I, I feel very confident in saying that Outrider has stepped in to fill the void that Anthem created, which is a looter shooter that like is for a group of people. It's really good. I'll play through the entire story of it and then go right back to Destiny. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice. The game has been plagued with some real technical problems since launch. The server side version, the, the server side parts of it have made the thing really hard to play. And the more I play that game, like my initial reaction to that game from the demo has not changed. I still think it's a cool game. I increasingly kind of fall in the same category though i'm like am i having fun yeah am i enjoying the game yeah would i recommend this game i actually don't know and not just for technical issues just kind of from a i'm not totally sure who this game is for the same way that like the division i got who it was for but like didn't think they'd actually like the game at the end of the day Hmm. that's yeah i kind of get that too like you know, I'll play something and it's perfectly all right, but I'm like, I'm not sure if I'd play it again. Maybe it's too similar to things I'm already using my time on. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what the end game like for this thing is for sure. But I just the loop of the game, which I really enjoyed during the demo. The higher and higher and level I get into the game, the less I think it works. And I, I don't know. Like, and it's the it's partially because of the class I'm playing. Like, like I'm still playing my Devastator. The Devastator is still my favorite class, but I've begun to run into a problem where the Devastator wants to play aggressive. You want to be kind of up in it constantly with shotguns and SMGs and assault rifles and stuff. Like, and it's partially because it's all your abilities are kind of making you a walking, moving death wall. And the other half is the health regen system is tied to range. Like the closer, hmm. like. You want to be within a certain range of targets when they die to get the health boost from it. That range is a little bit too close, especially when you get into some kind of the, I think it's what, the third or fourth zone I'm in right now, where there's a couple encounters where you have to stay at range and you're kind of ducking in to finish stuff off with your shotgun real riskily to get those health regens to pop. And I don't know, like maybe with like a full party or something, the balance is there and you're not kind of the sole target, so it's a little bit better, but I'm definitely using the cover system more, which the cover system's fine, but it does then get in the way of my character doing health regen. Like I've done the first like 
boss boss of the game. That was actually surprisingly cool for a game like this. I think they did a pretty good job with it. It was neat to do solo. I'd rather do it with a crowd. I, I yeah, it's I see a world where like the meta for the end game of this thing is Pyromancer, Technomancer, and I still think Technomancer is a garbage class to play. Like the time I've the times I've played with them, they're not fun to play with. The time I've played the class, I still think it's boring. Like, which then leads like, okay, Pyromancer is probably the best class in the game, and not because of abilities, but because they can recover health at a relatively good range. Like, it's not like it's like it's close to medium. If that makes any sense? Because yeah, you're lighting shit on fire, not like it's not like a set parameter to you. And I. It, it's weird because I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I really like about the game actually is that there's some really unique abilities on the guns. But I have a gun now that the moment I can't use it anymore, I'm a little bit fucked because it has that. So the game is really bad about explaining what certain status effects do. And one of the most powerful, at least at the level I'm at right now, is Ash, which temporarily kind of turns targets to stone. And I'm talking real temporarily, but it's the only reason I've managed to get through a couple fights where they just started kind of sending heavies in at me, where I could kind of line them up, and because I had tuned the gun to being a semi or not semi like a burst fire assault rifle, just stuck them there until they all died. And I'm running into more and more of that, and it's not fun, I guess. Like, and it's weird because I'm not I'm now fighting at least the two factions of the game. You have human enemies, and you have the beast enemies. Maybe there's a third one coming, but I haven't gotten to them yet. And I love the fights with beasts. They're kind of unique. They're very kind of monstery, mutiny, and they feel appropriately cool. And they're, they they rush you. They have some ranged options. They're weird. The human fights are getting bad, and not like in a fun, hard way. And just a oh, it's the guy with the grenades that has a lot of health. Oh joy! And they threw in one of the fire the fire tornado guys. Oh joy! Like it's. There's a tedium to the fighting encounters so far that I'm not a big fan of. Like, it's where the, the few times I've gotten shot by a sniper, I've been like, oh shit, there's a sniper. That's awesome. Like, it's. The game is already aggressively linear. Like, I think I talked about this in the demo where there's a kind of overworld map to it, but then you go off into the missions and it is aggressively linear. And that's fine, but it's so bad to the point where, like, it's the. If you can ever turn off the like, obviously intended path, it's the. Oh, there's a hidden chest there. There's a hidden thing, like slightly off to the left. It's like it's not immediately in your peripheral vision, kind of thing. It's, I don't know. And I, initially, I was kind of like, fine, whatever. I, I have no problem with linear games. I played Metro and loved it. Like, I don't think of linear as a bad term, but even I'm starting to kind of chafe under just how, hey, here's a combat arena connected to a combat arena connected to another combat arena. And because this one's circular in feeling, it's probably the boss fight. Yeah, but I mean, Destiny kind of feels like that too. Destiny does not feel that. This it, as someone who plays a lot of Destiny, by comparison, Destiny feels like an open world. Like, and that it, I'd also say like that one has the strikes where you're kind of like, yeah, you go down this path and you do this kind of cinematic fight through this stuff. This doesn't even have the kind of decency to feel cinematic, if that makes any sense. Like, strikes, you are pursuing a target. You're going down a specific path. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock that. But there are kind of open world feelings to it. At least. There's a kind of like, the rooms don't feel quite as in a line, even like you feel like you're in a place. At least this doesn't really have that. And I, I don't know, like it's it's generic industrial room after generic industrial room after generic industrial room, or 
room with lots of rocks to hide behind. Like I, where Gears of War can get away with it because they were kind of very kind of trench feeling. The fact that I'm kind of roaming about as my Devastator because I need those health regens makes it feel weirder, I guess. Like, and Ooh. I don't know. Like, the division also had the same vibe. You, you're going like through a mission. You were very deliberately going through a mission, which is through a building of some kind. But at least like there were set piece moments where like things happened that felt different. Like I, I still go back to the fight in the Smithsonian. I think in the second game is one of the cooler missions in a game of that type ever. Like you are fighting your way through the Smithsonian, and it's just kind of neat. I have yet to have a it's just kind of neat moment in Outriders outside of the kind of overworld areas, I guess, and those are becoming more and more generic the, way, the more I get through them. Like the snow mission for the snow level, I guess that's actually part of the thing too, like this biome. You go there and it's like, oh, here's like the, the loop you can run around to kind of do the free roamy thing, and here are the four missions that take place there, and once you've done those missions, there's not a ton of reasons to come back here unless you're trying to grind something specific, but I haven't completed the game yet, so I got no reason to be doing that yet. I, I And they're all created equal. I think like the second one is lore-wise cool, being there sucky, and the third one, which is the snow level, is lore-wise stupid, but visually kind of cool, because post-apocalyptic ski resort is kind of a neat thing. <laughs> yeah, it's... But also the biomes are pretty distinctly cut off from each other. They're not very big once you're there. Again, you can make the same criticism of Destiny, but at least Destiny's kind of open world parts via the overmaps are big. Maybe too big, but having played this where it's, they're too small, absolutely, I'm kind of fine with it. It's like, okay, again, you're sparing your ride for a couple minutes. It's fine. It's a waste of time. I don't hate it. Like, it's, it's fun. It gets you from point A to point B. It, it makes you feel like you're more in a place. This is very much like, haha, welcome to the snow place with the ski resort lifts and, and enemies. Okay, cool. The game's done an okay job, lore-wise, of explaining kind of more and more stuff, too. Like, the once you get out of the first kind of the the, the Mad Max zone, I'm going to call it, and into kind of like a more urban setting of the game, it definitely sounds like, okay, here's why this infrastructure, and you go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's an explanation that works for all this bullshit. Cool. Like, I, I feel bad for knocking that back when I was playing the demo of exactly how the fuck do they build all this shit, and it also kind of at least hand waves why so much of it's just so generic looking. It's like, yeah, no, we have a fabricator printer that just makes cities and shit. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Sci-fi tech, whatever, bullshit. Mm. It is cool to see kind of how some of the plot of the game is evolving. Like, they, they've managed to maintain that same, your character has absolutely no idea what's going on, and you keep running into people that are like, why don't you fucking know about this? And I, I really enjoy that part of the game, I guess. Like, there's a pretty kind of, I think I'm officially out of what I'd call the introduction to the game. Like, there's a intro mission and then there's hey everything hasn't quite unlocked yet and i'm out of that fully and i think the game gets better after that but also like there's a little bit of a twist at that point where it's revealed like they keep revealing stuff where like you're on the good guys side but the good guys are pretty fucking terrible Mm. like they really kind of provide some just like it is very easy to feel good about like being sympathetic towards some of the the guys committing war crimes. I guess like the, the obvious bad guys, like they call the insurgents or something like that. The the enemy humans you keep running into that have gone full Mad Max kind of crazy people. 
game does a really good job of explaining why they are that way and the fact that like, I think it's the EAR, the EAF, the ones you're working for are not great and I kind of hope there's a chance to kill a bunch of them because it real sounds like they kind of borked everything in the worst way possible and a lot of the kind of uprising stuff is completely their fault and your kind of your main characters are hanging with are very okay with being like yeah uh here's where the government committed a mass genocide to kind of bank and control and here's the result of that turns out people got fucking pissed it's weird because the game's all over the place i think lore wise like a lot of the stuff i just don't care about but occasionally it says something where i go oh shit yeah it's something i was actually curious about that's a good point you raised there or neat and i'm still enjoying it like again i i if you get this on Game Pass, because it's on Game Pass for Xbox, fucking go crazy with that one. I think that's probably the right way to de- intro this game in some ways. In hindsight, like, would I have paid money for it? Yeah, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. Like, it's. I- I'm going to have the same vibes I came coming off of Anthem, where it's like, ah, oh, that game was fun. And, and that game was fun. I don't think overall this is as good as Anthem was in some ways. I think the story is definitely better, but the actual playing of it's kind of not as cool. But this is definitely the new Anthem. I feel shitty for saying that, but like down to the fact that it can't fucking get his net code together enough to like let <laughs> me play it in a continuous manner. I, I the main kind of thrust of this game is definitely a single player game, and normally I'm kind of eh on this topic, but in this game it's pretty inexcusable. The server problems are making it impossible for me to make progress in the game solo, and weirdly where i would give like destiny maybe a pass on that because there are these social hubs and shit like that that you are interacting with other people it does not make sense in this case like i have to go a little bit out of my way to group with other people when i can get the server stuff running and the fact that i just can't play giant chunks of it solo that the server functionality is fucking me it doesn't feel good it feels like a real problem like the whole server things become a meme on the subreddit and just in the fan community in general like it's the then what this button does server crash yeah, it's that, a real problem and yeah and because of that i had time slash was forced to play another game that came out this week that I was going to give a shot at some point but wasn't planning on getting through for a week or two and I had a chance to check out, as a result, the Disco Elysium kind of collector's edition, or not collector's edition, the director's cut edition. And I like it. I, I've toured Disco Elysium in the past. I think I talked about it some way the fuck back when. I think that the voice acting does a really great job of making me more willing to play the game. I think it was a little too thinky, not enough video game previously, and just the slight additions of voice acting and controller support make me you know, have a little bit more fun with it. It's still Disco Elysium, like, it's still just a fantastic game with a very good art style, and I dig the system it's got going on. I think the director's cut version, if you have access to it, is a significantly better product. Like, I, the controller support's not great, but it's there, and I do prefer to play my video games to the controller, so I don't know. I'm, really, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not sure how much more I'll be playing of it once Outriders is kind of up and running, but it's been a fun total opposite thing to do when the servers are fucked and you have no idea how much longer they're going to be down for. Yeah, I've been I I guess it's good that I've been putting off buying that now that there's a you know a superior version and not just uh, not just stuff added on or well, it's know, a free upgrade, yeah. Like if you had the previous one you got that one, but yeah. Yeah, so you know my first so my first foray into it when I eventually do play it will be 
with these you know new additions like with the voice acting and stuff and so yeah uh, the voice acting is really good too so far i've really enjoyed I, they did so, in the many ways like a lot of this game's presentation is really good the voice acting is really good voice acting i think especially for a game that's not cinematic it's just kind of like voice it's it's just them reading you cho- voice options kind of that pop up throughout the game and i think it adds a lot because like the voices they picked are really good voices hmm your your what your lizard brain's voice is fantastic. It's the appropriate like this is a lizard brain. Cool. <laughs> you should do some dumb shit. I should do some dumb shit. But that's what that puts that's that's what up with me. I guess I wish Outriders was running better. I I don't know. I, I I've been busy, so even though Outriders has been kind of borked, it's been a slow thing. I guess like it's I had a lot of time to play this week. I have noticed a disturbing trend in my eBay suggestions, though. <laughs> like, is it like Wish dot com levels of weird? <laughs> well, so uh, a, a while back we talked about the game Devil's Third, and eBay was one of the places I went to to see just like what you could like what people had successfully sold Devil's Third for. And now I get recommendations based on because you searched Devil's Third and. Oh god, these are some of the greatest like bad video game things ever, and it's amazing. It's this mix of other games that are worth way too much money for what the game is worth, and also like, hey, here's the Devil's Third again. I'm like, you don't get why people search the Devil's Third, do you? Oh, eBay, you're trying, but this algorithm is wrong. No one wants the Forbidden game, we just happen to possess it. And are curious how much it's worth. <laughs> I don't know what have you been up to. Um, I've been playing a lot of GTA Five recently. Really, specifically GTA Online. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was about recently, but I'm fucking tired of Overwatch for the time being. Uh, because that's the game I do on when I'm not doing WoW stuff. Uh, with some friends, and I just, I just couldn't, I can't bear myself to log on to fucking Overwatch right now. So, I uh, I was like, let me find another game. And I figured the one game with, like, an easy way of, like, entry, if you will, for the most part, was GTA Online. Because we have, like, Division 2 and all that. But I was like, eh, this yeah. will probably be the easier way to go about it. And I've had a lot of fun playing it. Like, I know, I know there's that no-pixel server going around that's, like, you have to be invited to, it turns out. Apparently, it's a really exclusive thing. What is that? I guess I'm not sure I know this. Oh, there are RP servers on on for GTA Online. Yeah, yeah. So Nick No Pixel is a super like customized like GTA Online server kind of thing where like you could like everything has been like expanded so you role play when you're on that server. So you role play either like. You can role play a normal convenience store person. You can role play a police officer, criminal. Like you can do daily jobs. Like they have a fully functioning garbage why? truck thing. Why? Like why would I want to do a mundane ass thing in a video game that I could just do in real life? I mean, people play GTA Online. I would think like not so they can like you know drive a delivery truck, which is possibly what they just do for work, but you know like to you know do insane gta stuff like steal a car and go on a yeah. big robbery spree i mean that's 
Yeah, yeah. The idea of I'm not going to judge the RP world. They've always been kind of a strange and strange, the wrong phrase, a unique. I mean, it's like, well, I I'm asked, just saying, why? like, I can way more understand like RP RP for Fallout 76, where it's like this crazy apocalypse land with crazy things going on and weird stuff, rather than I work at a convenience store inside of a video game. That sounds like hell. That sounds I mean, you- literally like. That's 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 what hell is. You just have to work in a convenience store twenty four seven. That that's what well, you do. That's your life. You right. could though, if you wanted to make it interesting, is become a front for a laundering business if you wanted to with your store. Like there's, like you could do stuff like that. Like they have a like they really flesh it out. Like they have fully functioning police department with like call assignments and like dispatchers. Like you could be a police dispatcher kind of thing and all God, that. That like, sounds boring it's it's actually really interesting to watch like i've seen some people who play it recently and i have to say like i'm also just really shocked at the level of customization and immersion that the devs for the no pixel mod have put into this because there's a lot of dedication they put into this so um yeah but it's a very exclusive thing and so you can't get it so I've, uh, my buddies and I have been quote unquote RPing, where we just do dumb shit on GTA Online kind of thing. And we have dumb characters we made up. And so, like, my friend has a Latino looking version of Mark Wahlberg, who we've called Marco Wahlberg. Um, okay. and then my other friend, he has this, like, really, like, this nightmare scenario, Ronald. McDonald the clown looking thing with like really bad acne and red cornrows and we call him White Boy Summer. Um that's his like street name. And I don't have one for my character yet, but we're working on it. But yeah, we just do dumb stuff like that and so like I do over the top stupid accents of like me be like it's just business and they're like what is your accent? And I'm like you know what it is. And they're like no we don't. And it's just constant yelling back and forth and the generic country of Crimesbekistan. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've watched one of my friends who's been uh, streaming recently, streaming some GTA Online, and he mainly just does big cues with some other like other players he knows of like some of the crazy custom games that people come up with, and there's some there's some really cool ones. There's some really crazy races. Like I saw one which is just like, all right, so it's like a a giant sort of like skate like you type of thing. If you know what I'm talking about, like it's yeah. like a skate mm. park, like, but it's gig- it's humongously tall. But what you're doing with it is it's sort of, there's teams against each other. So one team is on the ground and you have rocket launchers is like a, you're on foot. The other team is in cars and you're trying to run them over by like, like, going up and down this ridiculous skate park you and it's shenanigans else yeah that's one of the many kind of custom matches people have gotten very very creative with the custom matches in that game yeah and like i i have to say i've had a lot of fun kind of playing that recently um my guild killed sire denathrius last night actually so it looks like I'm going to be jumping back in for the reclears finally, but um, yeah. So in between, I've just <coughs> sorry, I've I've been playing a lot of uh, what's it called? 
I've been playing a lot of GTA five and I've I've kind of been enjoying it. Like that game is definitely old, but like it just yeah, it's fun. I can see why it's still played a lot, oddly enough. So Sure. Yeah. Um beyond that <laughs> I haven't really done too much. Um It was a weird week and I could not explain to you why it was a weird week. It definitely was a weird week. I don't know what it was, but yeah. That's 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 it on my front. Nothing else really that's like gaming side stuff. Uh personal side stuff, uh not much really. Just kinda hanging around. I got my vaccination actually. Oh good. Got my first one done. So I'm waiting for round two. Um I will say I lucked out actually yeah, because I got my vaccination on Monday. Yeah, I think it was Monday, yeah. Um yeah, so I got my first one of the the Pfizer vaccine, um, House Pfizer, I guess if you will. Um, but yeah, I got it done. I'm actually surprised; like they were surprisingly efficient in getting people in, getting tightly, getting all your registration stuff, confirming you, all that, and then getting your shot, and then heading on out. So, um, I will say, and I I took it, I took the picture ironically, but like they have signs like, "Hey, please don't take any selfies while you're getting your shot and all that." If you want, we have selfie stations at the end of, you know, the whole thing. I was like, having selfie stations that show that you took, you know, like, it just feels fucking weird. Oh, no. I, it's This was a little bit aimed at you for posting about, but also just a general trend of my reaction to this whole thing has been, like, do, do the shots not work unless you post an obnoxious Facebook or Twitter <laughs> or Instagram picture of it? Like, Well, I mean, it's very much like when you have relationships or like proposals or. Uh, Are you now in a relationship workouts. with the vaccine system, Alex? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's complicated. But yes, like it's one of those things. Like, I mean, it's like when you go work out. Like, did you really work out if you didn't post about it on the internet? Like that kind of thing. Sure. But yeah, so I got my first one done. Uh, hoping to get my next one done in. Next few weeks, I actually have been very, very lucky with mine because some people get like a lot of soreness after like the first day uh, from that, and I didn't get any soreness, any weirdness at all. Like, I I feel fine. So I felt like someone punched me in the arm with a ring on. Like that was my general vibe off of it. Mm. Yeah, see, I didn't get that. Like, oh. I got my shot and everything, and then like, I think the weirdest thing was like I maybe was clenching my jaw a little bit. But like after that, like no, I was no no soreness. I was woke up the next day feeling fine. Yeah, no, no, no big issues at all. I'm just glad to finally have it, you know, done and hopefully this whole thing is over. I was telling people like I can't wait to hug and kiss you all when I see you next time. <laughs> I'm gonna lick your faces. Yeah, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> I'm calling the police. Why? We can do this. No, we can't. And I'll just yell, it's cool, I'm vaccinated! That does See how far that goes. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I could probably get away with it if I go to Florida. Florida man arrested, yelling, I'm vaccinated, licking people's faces. I can see that as a headline. But, um, yeah, other than that, that's pretty much it for me. What do you got, Henry? All right, so... I picked up a game off of Humble Bundle website. It's called Influent. And so it's 
it's I call it a game. It's kind of barely a game, but essentially it's to help you learn vocabulary if you're learning a new language. Huh. And so okay. you can buy essentially packs for it that are for a specific language. But it comes with Italian, French, and Korean. Now I've been wanting to like improve Korea improve in Korean a lot. And so the way the game works is it's sort of there's a bit of a meta narrative essentially where you're kind of this guy who's invented a machine that just auto translates anything it looks at like any object. And so and then yeah, you just kind of go around in this person's house and there's just lots of objects around and you can just see how it how it what the translation is. And one thing it does definitely has that's nice is it has pronunciation. So that can be a di- very difficult thing. So at least you can hear it, you can play it again, and then try to kind of mm. match the pronunciation. It also so- has some alternative, like, translations of, a- of an object if there's more than one way to, like, describe it in language. And so, and uh, usually you'll have, like, maybe a more common one and kind of the more technical one, possibly. And so that's, it's really cool. and. It'll also, you can test you on the vocabulary, like you basically, yeah, you can walk through and just have to kind of do a timed test of a sort and see if you remember what an object is and how to say it. And so I like the gamification of it. So, and I've kind of like, I don't know, been lazy about studying languages. I mean, I I study a lot of other stuff, so I mean, it's kind of in the mix, but I like the gamification of it. I mean... So, and this one's purely for vocabulary, but one thing that I have noticed, and this is just from me learning languages, is that if you just have a large vocabulary in a language, that's going to take you very far. Like, you don't really need to know good grammar. Like, if you just screw up the grammar, at least you get the right words out, people will generally get your meaning. And so, I think this kind of hits on the point that. Not going to, not really worrying so much about some sort of, you know, perfecting your grammar, which of course it's good. It's would be nice to have better grammar, but the most important part of any language really is the vocabulary. And yeah, if you can just like, you know, say, you know, uh, know, where, where post office, you know, or something like that, if you just know enough words, you're going to get by. People will figure it out. People will generally figure out what you're trying to tell them. And so, yeah, I like that. I like that focus. I think it's a very good focus for a, for a language learning program. And it's done in a nice package. I mean, the graphics are, you know, nicely cartoony. I mean, it's nothing too fancy. It's, it's just a means to an end of a sort. And, you sure. know, gamification. And I kind of like the gamification of learning. Well, so question. Would you, is this more of an improving your understanding of a language, or could you learn a language from this thing? I think it would be difficult to learn a language from this thing. Okay. It's really for polishing, or just... And that's what I mean, you'd say. It sounded like I was kind of curious if you thought it could go both ways. I, it doesn't really seem to go into things that you would generally learn, like if you're learning a language, such as, like, greetings, or at least basic grammar. It's really heavily all about vocabulary. So yeah. it's, it's really, uh, I guess... And an assistance to kind of learning more vocabulary as opposed to 
learning the language. So in this case, it would really help you if you've already learned Hangul and you know how to read Korean. So, but I think it's also great because, as I mentioned, it has pronunciation. So it'll say it for you and then you can try to practice saying it. And that's something you kind of miss with maybe other language tools that you might find on the internet, on the internet, you know, being sold. So that's a, that's just a really nice thing. It's very cheap. So if you go to hum- humble bundle, you can pick it up for like one cent or something. Hmm. And it comes with the three languages built in. And then I think additional ones are worth, are like cost between five to $10 depending on the language. This cheap. Or maybe they're all $10. But in any case, it comes with languages built into it. So I'm just going, I'm just using Korean because that's one of the language I, languages I wanted to learn. Yeah, I was just on the Humble Bundle web, uh, web shop just kind of checking out what they had. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, actually, I, I think that'd be really cool. I picked up another game uh, and I'm not going to talk about it yet because I haven't played it yet. But it's a mm-hmm. game. That is entirely sound. It's another game that's entirely sound. It's not like I, you know, I've talked about the one mm. that was for the, you know, like Alexa and stuff like that for the, the, you know, the sound those uh, sort of voice, you know, voice detection systems. This one is just a standalone game, but yeah, it's done entirely in sound, and so yeah, I'm interested in playing that. It is, uh, and they did. Make it with, you know, part of the intent that, yes, if you, you know, if you're, you know, have some visual impairment, this game, you can play this game. You can definitely play this game and it's a fully featured game. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give that a try possibly this week, but, and then I'll, I'll, you know, talk about it more then. But yeah. What is that plan? Out of curiosity, is that a phone game? Is that a PC game? It's a PC game. Other than that, I went to a bookstore here in town the other day, and I picked up Junji Ito's Cat Diary. Oh, Neko Niki. Oh. So, if you know who Junji Ito is, you may not may or may not be familiar with who that is. Junji Ito is a horror writer, like a comp manga. And the man has a cat diary. All right, so yeah, he's he's and he's. Become increasingly well known here. He's he's been pretty. His work has been pretty popular in Japan for like decades now. But it's really been starting to catch on here. Like Crunchyroll recently put on a mini series of shorts of a lot of these shorter stories from his manga that he's written. And yeah, it's sometimes it's comedic horror. Sometimes it's just weird, like otherworldly crazy horror. He's that walking through a mountain guy, right? Oh yeah, yes. That's one of these short stories he's written. Yes. That's what I think most would be familiar with at this point. But this kind of, this is about, this is a real life thing about him and he and his wife getting cats and kind of all about, kind of all around like, it starts with them getting initially buying or picking up the cats and then goes on to Kind of daily life with the cats, and yeah, the but it there is like I I don't know how to describe this, but sort of the approach of horror done in a comedic way, like his, his and even like his sort of weird brand of horror 
kind of being applied in a gen- generally very comedic way. So, I mean, so this is not a s- scary manga. This is a very lighthearted and f- hilarious one. And the man himself is like, as you may notice, like some horror horror writers, like he's just kind of a, you know, like in many, you know, many ways, just sort of a generally nice guy and kind of a decent guy and and just kind of like if you saw him on the street, he wouldn't necessarily stand out. He just would look like another person on the street. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really charming and it's it's lighthearted. And you can get it in English now. I bought it in Japanese, but you can get it in English version of it now. I saw that also at the bookstore. Uh, Kino Kunia is the, yeah, that's the, and yeah, and yeah, I bought that. I was there kind of standing in these shelves being completely overwhelmed by the sheer amount of like manga that they carry, like in Japanese. And I realized pretty quickly that. Like just browsing, I would just get lost, and I think I would have to do kind of research and will kind of have an idea in my head of exactly what I want. But they had a sort of a setup where they had a lot of Junji Ito's work, kind of all in the same place, and so that's where I saw it. I was like, "Oh, they have this thing! I've been wanting to pick that up for a while." If you also want to see something funny, you can actually find this. He didn't. They did an interview with him just asking him about pictures of cats on the internet. And hmm. that's also yeah. very charming and endearing. He's yeah. He's just kind of a, you know, intelligent, creative dude. Uh, yeah. That also loves cats, but yeah, the uh, Junji Ito's cat diary is, is extremely good. They, you get to learn about the cats and, they are definitely two interesting cats, but his approach to telling these sort what would otherwise be mundane stories is really funny. It's just, it's really good. And it is, I think it's especially even more enter- entertaining if you are familiar with his other work. Like, probably the most popular one that's uh, hugely popular in Japan, anyways, though they have done a English version of this one, Tomie, Tomie, which is a one of his uh, a character he's returned to and told stories about, like two of the episodes, or maybe it's just one of the episodes in the uh, Frenchy Roll series, is a Tomie story. But also, yeah, it's a long. There's like nine movies of it at this point in Japan, and like it, nine nine movies and like series and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's. But yeah, I think yeah, the cat diary is definitely a change of pace. But it's he still brings kind of his brand and also his his art style is also kind of very evident. Like it's it's very clear. He has a definite style. So but yeah, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been up to. I haven't really been playing too many video games. I mean, I I've been this. It's been a very busy week for me. I've had a lot going on. So, but yeah. That's yeah. That's kind of it for me. That means time for news. News, Alex. I think it is time for news. Oh, did you want me to do the thing? I the surprise you weren't <laughs> doing it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Fair enough. Uh, we're all off our game a little bit today. It's we're been a weird week, this. man. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hinted at this earlier, but uh, in a more official news sense, yeah, the service for Outriders have been a fucking mess all week, and yeah, it seems to be part. It seems to actually mostly be because of, and not exclusively, but a big factor of it is, I guess, the Square Enix ID thing, which. If you remember back in Hitman 1, me complaining pretty prolifically about that whole system, hmm. it never got better. Ah. Uh, huh. yeah. If it's only the they only could have seen this coming. Yeah. I, yeah. I, a lot of articles have been written about how much it sucks that a predominantly single-player game with co-op can't be played offline and stuff like that, and they're not wrong. They are, they're not wrong. Uh, it's... I. The technological side of Outrider has been unbelievably rough, and it's definitely part of why I'm having a hard time being like, am I enjoying this game? I don't know. I feel like I haven't gotten to play that much of it, honestly, because of how just forked the servers have been. But mm. I guess keeping in the theme of games I talked about earlier, though, Disco Elysium's director's cut is banned for sale in Australia. Steam does not seem to give a fuck, though, and at least as of the time of this recording, was still letting you buy it, or still letting you download it, I guess, more accurately. Yeah, kind of a follow-up from last week where we did talk about that. Essentially, it was denied a classification, which in effect means it can't be sold if it's it doesn't have a classification. But, yeah, kind of weird. Steam's just, like, ignoring that. I think the idea is that, like, the base version of Disco Elysium is viable. Like, that one was fine. It's the director's cut, which is free so long as you already own the base game that kind of gets into a weird category if you're not paying for it necessarily you're just paying for the base version that's now the director's cut unless you like a director's cut mode toggle off if i want to do that yeah yeah so they didn't like put a separate listing in there it's just no. kind of like there as well i mean so yeah sure Sure. Let's talk about Activision real quick, or Activision Blizzard, I guess, as we really should just start referring to them at all times. Uh, they had a recent hiring, and uh, we, we talk a lot about kind of what the fuck's going on with them when it comes to firings and money and stuff like that, but we really talk about video game hiring, so that's like a big director of some kind. This one's just confusing using i guess and yeah i I mean granted we're used to you know act of blizzard or yeah act of blizzard doing really dumb shit i mean i'm also just being sociopathic because bobby kotick is a fucking sociopath yes um especially with like recently and actually i think they just they just had another little announcement where they are laying off even more people Mm -hmm. um including a good chunk of the esports division for Blizzard. I think we already talked about that though recently, as right? well as most, a, as well as mostly offices in Europe. Yeah. yeah. So, Active Blizz sociopath uh, Bobby Kotick. I guess somehow that, that, that's what we're used to. We're used to them being shitlords in terms of that. This was kind of a next level. Like, what what is this guy even doing well, here? Especially because it's not really. Sh- at least to me, it's not clear how the fuck he would work as the CFO, which he's been a, which he's been hired to do. I guess. Uh, oh no, not what CFO does, but yeah. Uh, well, not CFO over Activision Blizzard, but all right. So to get specific, so a yeah. person named Brian Bilato, Bilato, 
who worked under the in the Trump administration and has been called a bully is has now a bit of a reputation around him. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it, that's uh, the, a lot of people work for people that maybe we're not fans of on this podcast. That's the one thing. It's the fact this guy has a stigma of yeah, he's a problem. Yeah. yeah. And so they've put him in charge of the Call of Duty Endowment, a nonprofit foundation co-founded by Activision to help former service members in the United States and UK transition to civilian careers. But he's also going to take charge of key administrative functions across departments, including Blizzard, uh, IT, workplace information, physical security. This is just like... They are just telling you, we are cartoonish evil. We are literally like mustache twirling <laughs> evil. I mean, how, how much clearer does Activision Blizzard have to tell you that they are total assholes? Like, if you didn't get the fucking memo already, this is just like, do, do you, are you not paying fucking attention? Like, stop giving these shitty people money. Well, and like, if you want to even play devil's advocate on this one, it's a hard devil's advocate to play. You can take the stance of the guy was a good businessman before he went up in that position, but it's definitely a strange choice for a company that keeps having you know, a bit of an image problem and have a lot of good things to say about them at the end of the day. Except, yeah, they made that Call of Duty game again, and Alex keeps paying the money for Blizzard stuff. But it's yeah. just, it's just at this point, it's like, how could you possibly just think that there's anything conceivably like any reason to give these assholes any money. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's gone beyond like, I, I'm firmly glad that, you know, absolutely glad that I already long ago at this point deleted my entire Blizzard account and had it completely scrubbed and removed from their servers. Like, I, yeah, just, they just keep, instead of getting better, they just keep getting worse. And you know why? Because nobody's given them a reason to keep, to get better. If you just keep throwing money at them, no matter what they do, they're going to keep doing whatever the fuck they want. And in this case, whatever the fuck they want is just increasingly so absolutely sociopathic. And if you want to pay them to be sociopathic, I mean, this is what you get. Like you can own. I mean, that's the thing. What you know when they talk about voting with your dollar, this is a prime example of it. Like if you what you supporting this is what you're supporting with your dollar and i've I always vote with my dollars like i always try to think about like what do i want to support in the world in general like what do i want to support in the world what do i what do i want to support in my community such as you know i support good stores like good local places and you know in good chains that treat their you know treat people well like so, you know, and, and like if you're sitting there being like, okay, yeah, whatever, they're being hard on him because it's from an administration they're not fans of on the podcast. No, there was like an investigation into this guy and stuff like that based on tactics that were used by him that were deemed potential abuses of governmental power. Like, we're not just kind of being like, eh, whatever. It's this guy has a issued a storied past. You can go look up and go, huh, that seems to be a problem. Yeah, it's like the last person they hired who is a Bush-era torture apologist Yeah, literally went on national TV to defend the use of torture, I mean, which, as we know, is literally illegal by Geneva Conventions. Yeah. So, I mean, just how much 
like mustache twirling evil does Activision have to get before people are like, huh, maybe these aren't the good guys. Like, uh, do they, well, do they literally have to murder a, what may, instead of like, you know, firing people, or are they just going to murder a hundred people and say, you no longer work for us. We're just going to murder them all. And then like, how much further is this going to be allowed to go? I guess is my question. How much further is Activision going to be allowed to just be complete assholes before anybody starts to pause and say, hey, wait, maybe we shouldn't be throwing money at these these assholes. Like, yeah. No, it's like I said, for a company with an ongoing PR issue, this is a interesting choice on Activision's part, especially where it doesn't seem like that big a position they're filling. So it's kind of a why would you do this to yourself? But okay. I think it's reached a point that I think they don't give a fuck about PR. Oh, yeah, no, it's... Well, why would they? If nobody ever punishes them in any way possible, why the fuck would they care about PR? Yeah, it's not like... It's not like we're EA, where they had a potential to lose a franchise license, like the Star Wars stuff. Like, that, 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 you know, obviously bit EA in the ass. Like, all the Blizzard Activision stuff, that's their franchises. Like, they have nothing to lose. So they don't care. Yeah, I mean they have nothing to lose as long as people keep throwing money at them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that it's going. It would take. Uh, I guess you know at this point they're probably not going to be going after any licenses because you know, like as long as they can just sell their own shit and people buy it, no matter literally no matter what, why would they care about anything? And that's why you're going to see them. I think we're just going to over the next, you know however long Activision Blizzard continues to exist, they're just going to basically get worse. They're going to get worse and worse and worse because there's literally nothing, no reason. They, nobody's given them, they, they have not been given any reason to change their behavior at all. Matter of fact, they keep getting rewarded for it, as a matter of fact. Mm. And then rewarding themselves for it. You know, after laying off thousands of people and hiring assholes, they, you know, Kodak gives himself a big fat fucking bonus. So, yeah. Stop giving these assholes money. From two. This might be a bigger moment in video game history that we're going to give it credit for in this point in time because it doesn't seem like a big deal right now. But I could imagine in a couple years this being a thing we point back to being a sort of a trend potentially. So let's talk about MLB The Show, a game that we normally would not talk about on this podcast because it's, well, a sports pod, uh, a sports game. It's a decent <laughs> one. It comes out every two years. So this one's has a weird history behind it where it's the one that gets delayed every two if that it's supposed to come out every year and they just pay a fine for it to come out every two years so you can actually be a good game. It's generally viewed as one of the best, like, from a what you're getting and kind of every iteration version of it, sports games out there. It's also been uh, done by Sony for a very long time at this point. And it was a weird one where it came out for Xbox. Like, it, this is not the first time it's come out for Xbox. But for the first time ever, Sony's MLB The Show is coming to Game Pass on day one, which. If you want to get real weird about the thinking on that one, that means, technically speaking, that Sony is now 
not even indirectly, but kind of through a couple like weird twists, making money off of Xbox's Game Pass. And again, it doesn't seem like a big deal. That's a huge fucking deal, potentially. Like that speaks to maybe they're like we already have Sony games going to PC. I'm not saying exclusivity is going away anytime soon, but this feels like it might be a turning point in some parts of this. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Interesting. I mean, I think uh, probably, I mean, obviously they've come out some way where they both come out winners in this because yeah. if you're on Xbox Game Pass, there's like, well, I mean, it's it's a weird one because Game Pass, you know, of course, is the idea is you're not paying for individual games here. So I wonder how much money Sony gave Xbox to put their game on their Game Pass or, you know, how much, what, 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 what the money transit, you know, the money transaction going on here is like how, what, what's going on there? Like, you know, what kind of a cut are they getting out of this? So my understanding is like, it's the game pass stuff kind of like being on the PlayStation plus like the game of the month stuff. If you can swing it, it's a really good deal potentially because you get paid so long as someone like downloads the game or like adds the game to their library essentially. Mm -hmm. So Potentially, this opens the chances up for Sony to actually sell more of these, or at least get kind of a percentage of sales for significantly more than they might have gotten normally. Like, I'll be real, if I was playing on Xbox and like liked sports games, I'd give this thing a shot. I might not play it for long, but hell, even if I didn't, this is the game franchise that I think it was several years, yeah, many E3s ago, they were one of the few places you could sit down at E3, at the E3 I was at, and they had like a lounge you could hang out in. And I played a bunch of MLB The Show there, and it was fine. Like, it wasn't, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's sports games, not my thing. But they had beer and comfy seats, so I was there for an hour at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's less the game itself that's fascinating in this category, and maybe it's because the game is the game it is. That's what allows it to happen, but this is some big gaming news. It doesn't seem like it because it's like, oh, companies do business things to boost business. Absolutely, but this has never happened before. Like, this is on par with, hi, Horizon Zero Dawn's coming to Steam. The fuck? Yeah. I don't know, we'll see where this goes. Like, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, everything's changing, but it's a big deal, potentially. Sony could make a fair amount of money off of it. Like, if you're a Sony fanboy and you want to stick it to Xbox, uh, I don't know, go download the show if you have Xbox Game Pass or whatever reason. I Moving on from that, though, to probably my favorite news of the week. We have announcement of a new EDF game, and if you ask me going into next-gen what the world of EDF was going to look like, I've been like, I don't know, like, one with stable frame rate would be cool, but also there's a definitely a threshold off this game. If you get more realistic, it becomes horrifying, and I won't play it anymore. The people behind EDF heard these complaints, and we are now getting Earth Defense Force World Brothers, which has like a Minecraft style to it. And it's yep. adorable, and I yep. love it. <laughs> it. It is voxels. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it looks kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like the design of it and kind of the aesthetic. So, yeah, it's, it seems a little weird coming out. I don't know. It seems like the voxel thing is sort of a yesterday thing. Like other than Minecraft, I remember there just uh, for a while there there was this a lot of games coming out there like hey voxels hey we can do everything in voxels and this yeah this seems a little late on that front 
But EDF has never been a timely franchise. Yeah, <laughs> true. But yeah, it seems a little late on the voxel thing, but it looks neat. So, I mean, yeah, I I hope this does well because I kind of want to see more of these. Apparently, apparently they're bringing some kind of like class action style stuff to it. Like, as someone who loves EDF, but also like thinks there's too many EDF games, and there's definitely a point at which if you made the games more realistic, people stop playing it because it becomes terrifying at that point. I would like to see how well this sells because I am kind of on board for this weird voxel minecraft pixel future of edf where it's like if this runs really well and still has this, the kind of same dumb fun factor this is what i want going for because this is like charmingly bizarre and fits edf all too well but yeah go check it out come out may 27th so look forward to that i'm always down for edf yeah we're talking about delays i guess or kind of about releases uh the uh, Lego Star Wars game, the Skywalker Saga, has been delayed again. It's, I think, about the third delay for that thing. Apparently, COVID makes it hard to make video games. Who knew? Yep. Shocker. But the Lego... No, yeah. Honestly, the Lego versions of, like, games and, like, movies have been all pretty good. So, you know what? I expect that to also be probably a pretty good game. There are some people out there I know that swear that its version of um, its telling of the three prequel movies is a better, more cohesive telling than the actual movies that they're based off of. <laughs> like, I have seen some people that like, just watch the cutscenes for it, and that's the, that's the better version of that uh, part of the franchise. Really? <laughs> yeah, kind of. And they're not wrong. Like, I, it's... I, they're also assholes that are like, oh, I was too old for Jar Jar Binks when, I, when it happened, so I hate it. And it's like, I, I get it. Like, Ewoks are stupid, though, if you were above a certain age before that movie came out, too, so get over yourself, but yep. they're not wrong. There's a, a kind of there's a tongue-in-cheekness to it that you're like, okay, yeah, you, you understand this is some flawed source material you're pulling from, and I appreciate you for that. Yeah. No, it's it's a whole thing. But anyway, yeah. I That's been delayed. There's no exact confirmation of when the new release date will be, which sucks, but News incoming, I suppose. Sorry if you were waiting on that thing to get you through this second chunk of COVID staying at home. Ah, the Analog Pocket, which is totally not a Game Boy. It's del- it's been shifted to October. It was supposed to come out soon as well. So, again, turns out things are hard still, and at least it's being pushed back. And this one is related to the sort of parts shortage, the electronic yeah. parts, you know, comp- electronic components shortage that has been. Well, I mean, among other things, it's caused you know video card prices to just skyrocket. But yeah, I mean, so it's going to affect a lot of electronic stuff. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Where to go from here? It's kind of a weird mishmash of games. The guy we should talk about this more talked about Game Pass earlier, but yeah, so I think we talked about this some previously on a previous time scale, but I'm not sure when. But Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is now including uh, 60 Xbox Classic games that are from the cloud onto your mobile phone, even potentially. So, yeah, a couple of some good old fashioned Xbox. Yeah, a couple of them, Viva Pinata games and Jetpack Refueled, will include touch support. So, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of interesting in light of the fact that like both Sony and Nintendo are sort of shuttering a lot of their previous games. You know, and kind of closing things down as like Sony's closing down its, you know, the PS Vita and like PS, some of the older PS 
uh, PlayStation Store games, essentially. Here, their Xbox is like, hey, we're actually going to open things back up for some older games, and that's pretty neat, honestly. I'm always curious what the engagement for stuff like this is, and it's not me knocking that, so it's a neat thing, but it's also a, like, what? It's like, what is the engagement like? I know Sony gets out there and they have a bunch of stuff that says, yeah, you think you want this, but we have data that shows you don't actually use this when you've had it, so I've never totally trusted that stance, but it's definitely a thing that's been said on numerous occasions as kind of a stance of... Yeah, I mean, well, I think the retro game thing is still very niche. I think there is, but it just depends on, you know, what is their cost to deliver that these niche things, you know, on a system, you know, especially in a system like Xbox, you know, cloud gaming, which is quite large anyway. So it's like, maybe yeah. it just wasn't a big deal for them to just include them, these smaller well, things with to it. To that point, too, Xbox is dealing with slightly less kind of differences to their infrastructure. Like, yes, the Xbox is totally alien compared to what we're at now. But they already kind of did some of the work for the previous console. Where it's like, "Hi, we want to make this stuff work for older stuff." Oh boy, here's an emulator, I guess. <laughs> yep. So I mean, but the you know collection of games that they're looking at are uh, they're well known ones, and it's a good mix of different games, I think. So yeah, uh, but yeah, interesting to see Microsoft's take on this on backwards compatibility and sort of offering older games in general. Yeah. Especially when, you know, like Nintendo killed Mario. Mario deserved it. <laughs> Bitch had it coming. <laughs> Mario dead. We all saw him get run through. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're kind of curious what the hell that Alex's, or not Alex, Henry's alluding to with that, uh, if you're hearing this, it's now too late to buy that uh, 3D Mario All-Star collection that had a limited time span on it for just no goddamn discernible reason. And uh, they've kind of t- also Mario 35 is also gone as well, so you can't get that. And they, sh- as far as I know, they shut down the servers for it as well, so you can't play it. Oh no! So, Mario dead. Dead Mario. Uh, that whole artificial scarcity thing for a digital project, like that's up with NFTs of people will buy it because we said they should. Yep. Wasn't gonna buy it in the first place. My, I'm like, hey, if I got ah, maybe, but at the same time, my like resolve to not buy it was strengthened by for a limited time. It's like, no, I will not buy into this. <laughs> I will not wor- reward this weird ass bullshit you were doing. I guess uh, Nintendo's the original NFT vendor. Out there? Kind of, yeah, actually. <laughs> Nintendo dropping NFTs before they were, like, a, na- a thing, apparently. I, you joke, but, like, scroll back in that whole thing. Like, they've been kind of, like, I, yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, I don't want to give them that much credit. I think this is a stupid fucking false Oh, not intentionally. There's, yeah, this is absolutely some... Maybe we can drive sales by making it scarce artificially, type of thing. Like, but yeah, I don't know. It just it, it it's hard to artificially scarce digital only products. Like, it just sounds fucking stupid in yeah. concept and design. So, like, I like to give Nintendo credit for a lot of things, but this is fucking dumb. Yeah, it's a weird choice. 
But sure. That, though, to sense less weird, not kind of awesome. So uh, a while back, Platinum announced they were doing what they refer to as the uh, Neo Classic Arcade brand within kind of themselves. I think that's themselves, but it's the thing that's out there now. They've announced their first game for it. It's a kind of retro-style top-down shooter called Soul um, Cresta. Is that how yeah. you pronounce that one? Yeah. It's coming to Switch and PS4, and it's exactly what you'd want to have a kind of an old school top down flight sim- uh, flight shooter what's the official term for these uh, vertical scroller vertical yeah, scrolling shoot 'em up yeah and yeah it's it's the kind of third in a series a very old series that started in 1980 moon with moon cresta and then terra cresta a few years later but yeah i uh, looks it's Looks to have kind of similar mechanics to those two, but of course it's going to have upgrades because since then a lot of years have passed and, you know, shoot 'em ups have, you know, they've had cave happen, among other things. So, yeah. can you explain that concept? It's not something that I think a lot of people actually are aware of. All right. So, ca- the cave bullet, the cave really doubled down, went double down on the idea of sort of bullet hell shooters where yeah. the, where there's just, Literally hundreds of bullets on the screen at the same time, and but also introduced a lot of newer mechanics, such as grazing. When bullets are close to you, it may be cause a positive effect. And also the, uh, yeah, it was just yeah. Since then, a lot of refinements have happened to like vertical, both vertical and horizontal shoot 'em ups. So. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like this one's going to take. It's going to have the some of the classic style and is and maybe some of the mechanics from the previous games, but also going to take an effect that it's you know thirty five years later or forty five years you know thirty forty years later. So. Some time has passed. Yeah, so there can be improvements to the formula. One would hope at that pace. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a this is a good story. All right, so <laughs> we've talked about this on and off about how people uh, really want people to get involved in the uh, investigation of cheat makers and stuff like that. And yeah, so we've had a major bust in that. I think this is courtesy of Tencent putting the pressure on some stuff. They have the police have raided a major. Which was this one? Yeah, the Chinese police and Tencent have busted the world's biggest video game cheat ring. Um, they seized $46 million worth of assets from them, including, and this is the part I think is coolest, including a fleet of luxury vehicles. And these are some luxury-ass supercars. These aren't like just like, oh, we have like nine BMWs. These are some peak-ass cars that got taken as part of this. The operation was called Chicken Drumstick and was, uh, Result in the rest of 10 people and strikes of 17 different cheats. So, yeah, pretty crazy. So, gaming? Yeah, it was a subscription service, which is why they kept just being able to rake in money. So, yeah, and so if you say, yeah, uh, it could be 200 a month for this subscription service for these cheats. So, these aren't, these were, yeah, there's a reason why they had supercars in their garage. These cheats didn't come cheap. But yeah, that's apparently been yeah been taken down, and so yeah, I mean I don't like cheaters, and so I think that's fine. But yeah, the 
the supercars they got, their collection is quite. Oh yeah, that's that's it's a, worth looking at. Like it's an enviable collection. I don't care that much about cars. I'm still like, damn, they had some nice ass cars. Yeah. If you're gonna be a criminal, spend your money that way. So we just get to talk about it in cool ways like this. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the only kind of stop on this crime corner. We have. It's not my favorite news this week, but I think it's my favorite. Like things we've talked about on numerous occasions. And now we're here thing in a long time. So apparently um, in competitive uh, CSGO, the match fixing situation has gotten so bad. The FBI is now involved. So we've already kind of reported uh, in a previous, uh, previous numerous uh, times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, specifically, we, you know, we've talked about, yeah, uh, in Australia, it's been, it's being investigated uh, openly. But yeah, now the FBI in the U.S. is also investigating it. So yeah, tip you know, kind of what you expect from match fixing. Players are being bribed to fix matches, you know. And so if people aren't aware of kind of what that means, all right. So in gambling, you know, there's you know there's win or loss, but there's also the idea of how much you win by or how much you lose by. So sometimes that's referred to as a spread. So that can also be a thing that can be manipulated by the players. So, yeah, same thing has been happening in esports, and it's not too—it's not too surprising because, yeah, it's—I mean, it's it, this is happening in sports, so why not also in esports? So, congratulations, esports! You're an official sport now. Because people can be arrested for match fixing. Is that our measure now? We did it, guys. Yeah. Congratulations. And there's a lot more to the story if you want to go into it. But yeah, we've been building to this for a long time. Like, and if you think we're exaggerating about the match fixing thing, it's not. Like, it's. There's been a story or two about it for every single major CSGO tournament for the last couple of years. As best I remember, like, I'm sure there's been a couple that were controversy free, but it's not mean they did not happen at it. Like it's been a whole thing. And if you're thinking, oh, it's just CSGO, now nah, this has been a thing in esports for a little bit just across the board. It's occasionally it's not even about the money aspects of it. it's more about kind of like seed manipulation and tournaments and stuff like that. Like it's it is a whole thing that this is the first like big investigation to where there's been several kind of probes at why the fuck does this keep happening? And turns out, because esports are kind of a regulatory nightmare. Yeah. Just like real sports used to be. <laughs> That's it for our cool crime corner, if you will. Our double C section of this podcast. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit off today. Uh, you want to talk about Sega's lawsuit? Well, attempted lawsuit. So, yeah, they. All right, so they essentially went. All right, so the lawyers working for Sega, Sammy in Japan, they they've been you know trying to track down any websites that are trying to pirate Yakuza like a dragon. Uh, apparently, they went after Steam DB, which is just a boring website of statistics <laughs> uh, related to. St- the Steam storefront and multiplayer, and so and if you're sitting there going, "How boring!" Real boring. 
Yeah. They, so essentially they were accused or they were thought to be pirating games. They don't. It's just graphs and numbers. It's the most boring website ever. Not even cool graphs or numbers, even. Yeah. So I think what happens is the lawyers just sort of do a search on the internet for the you know game name and then send a threat to anybody just with game name on it. It seems like. Uh, but yeah, SteamDB doesn't sell anything. They literally don't sell anything. Uh, yeah, usually, apparently they do get like at least one DMCA uh, attempt per year, but it's always been like, no, we aren't, we don't sell anything. We don't offer anything for download. It's just like, here's these boring numbers. Yeah, so good job, Sega lawyers. You're idiots. <laughs> yeah. They're secretly bringing down some secret piracy cartel that a graphs and Fucking data website has. Hey, we have no idea where those graphs came here. from. Yeah. We have All no right. idea, Alex. Yeah. Those yep. graphs could be legally obtained. Sounds like they pirated those numbers. <laughs> uh. Yay! Busted antiquated laws yep. and the people who try to enforce them. Yay! Shitty laws. Yep. Yeah. The MCA needs a fucking upgrade. Yep. Yep. Uh, we, we've touched on this, I think, in the past about uh, kind of the ongoing weird emptying of, not, not maybe not weird, but the emptying of Sony's Japan studio. And I think this is probably the last time we'll talk about it for a while because I don't know how you talk about it further based on this news, but it's basically gone. Like, it's down to like four people that are just there being like, do I still work here? Yeah. So they've had, they just this week, four kind of major people there have all left the studio. So, yeah, so Shunsuke Saito, who is a character designer and animator for Gravity Rush 1 and 2, Kentaro Motomura, uh, who is... uh, He has his name on a lot of titles. Bloodborne. He's, among other things, one of the Bloodborne people. Yeah. Uh, And Yasutaka Asakura, executive producer there, and Gavin Moore, who has worked at Sony for 24 years has also is also leaving. So yeah, that studio's pretty much just like one person and maybe not even a computer. They have all the desks now stacked in one corner of the office. Yep. One person sitting at five desks wondering what's going on. And while we're talking about departures, the uh, director of Anthem, or former director of Anthem, I guess they get fully canceled now, Jonathan Warner has departed Bioware. While it's not 100% confirmed, the two are related, the two are 100% related. Yep. Anthem dead. I has been for a little bit. Yeah. This comes as kind of big news because he was at Bioware for over a decade at this point. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of one of the people that was heavily involved in one of the most beloved DLCs the Mass Effect franchise had as a total, and also I think a part that, for a lot of fans, myself a little bit included in this, kind of redeemed Mass Effect 3 in some ways, the, uh, the Citadel DLC, which I think is, to this date, one of the greatest DLCs for a video game ever. That's not like a full-on expansion. 
I, yeah, the guy had some pedigree to him and was involved in some of the stuff that made kind of older school Bioware pretty cool in a lot of people's memories. So he will probably be missed in quite a major way. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so there's kind of a couple of different reasons or things that can happen where somebody, you know, a prominent kind of leader at a studio departs. And so sometimes it is a case of they, it was a passion project that they were working on and that one's just gone. And so they just don't really feel like sticking around. But sometimes it's like, it could also be a case of, you know, being kind of told, well, we're kind of shutting these things down. And so you're kind of allowed to get out early before just the entire thing is completely, you know, you don't have to stay yeah, and be sinking, sinking ship. So that's what we're seeing. Increasingly, too, a lot of us are questioning, like, what's next for Bioware? Like, yes, the next Dragon Age will happen, but they need to get that new Mass Effect out there real quick, or we're going to start going, okay, is, Mass, is Bioware just wrong at this point? Like, they're just gone. Yeah, and I think, you know what, I think the other thing is, and I think people also tend to put too much weight on, like, these leaders leaving, because it's not always clear in all of these cases, and some it is, but it's not always clear that these people, how vital they were to a No, yeah, no. Or how much, Absolutely. in some cases, it's like, oh, no, that person was the heart and soul of that project. They were the lead, you know, base main designer and leader for it. In other cases, it was like, they were a manager. And so I don't think, you know, too much weight should be put into a lot of these departures because you know what? There's also other people that, you know, newer people that maybe are coming through the industry that are ready to take a lead position in some of these cases. So it's not necessarily a, you know, a, you know, in, in Japan studio, yes, clearly that studio is going away, but in other cases, when a, you know, somebody that's a well-known sort of, team leader something leaves it may not necessarily be anything you know a bad thing it may just mean you know this person wants to work on something else but we also have other leaders that are coming up through the ranks that are also wanting to take leads on games here and that actually gives them room to do so you know with people moving on to other projects or even higher up in a company that makes room for other leaders to you know rise to the occasion essentially so so, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that as just sort of a inside look at another perspective on that. So, I don't know. It's not the end of the road just yet for Bioware, definitely. But it's kind of curious what like what is Bioware even up to? With this? We talked about this before too. Like, is Bioware even really like Bioware in a lot of people's memories? Hmm. The answer is probably not. Yeah, but like I said, there's you know there's throughput in these companies, and like I, said, I know, and there's people coming up, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of these. You know, names that we know now were once lower in the company and not known until. Yeah, as someone who's changed, yeah, as someone who's changed jobs several times by choice, yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's always interesting to kind of see, you know, especially when some of these creators leave to start their own studio. That's always interesting as well to see if, you know, yeah. success, you know, how, if they're successful. You know, and what types of projects they end up working on. Has acquired the Ghost Runner franchise and tech licenses for five point eight million bucks. Uh, you may remember that game as a game that was a cool parkour ninja game from late last year. I want to say early last year. Last year, definitely. 
game sold about a half a million copies, which is pretty good for a game that small and kind of specific in some ways. And it did have some cool tech going on, hypothetically. So congrats to 505 Games. You now own a pretty good franchise, potentially. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just like a case of this was just a, a huge deal for the, you know, the actual developer that gave up the license. It's just like too, just a lot of money. You know, it's hard to stare at a lot of money and just say no, especially if it, if you have other games in the pipeline. Yeah. And you'll still be able to make money off of the game being sold by somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, as part of the original publishing agreement, they'll still like, uh, all in games will still get a share of profits from sales of the, you know, the original, you know, the, of Ghost Runner itself. But, yeah. But all future versions will be owned entirely by 505 games. They have acquired all the technology as well as the IP. So, and I think that game's a technological purchase. There is some stuff in that game, specifically kind of the parkour engine, I think, that could be useful in the near future. Like, I think. Or I hope, if we never get another Titanfall 2, or Titanfall 3, I guess more accurately, someone else is going to make that game eventually, and the tech in this game would not be a bad place to start. Yeah. Like, there's a market for what that game was that a lot of people, myself included, like, it's not the Titanfall we care about, it's the parkour FPS that we care about. And, yeah, this game definitely has that kind of stuff going on from a idea standpoint from the stuff it's doing we talked about a while back like it's not for me because it requires a brutal level of execution with some frequency but yeah no still a cool game all right last but not least this week we have some news about nexon those not curious nexon's one of those giant companies that owns a lot of the video games you think you know a lot about uh they're bringing the mmo space right yeah so it's 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 originally founded in uh, South Korea. They currently have a headquarters in Tokyo. But yeah, they've, yeah, they're a lot of different sort of MMOs as well as smaller ones. Like, yeah, Maple Story is under their banner. You know, uh, yeah, so, and that's, you know, of course, a pretty big game. But, you know, uh, but they have also been a producer, sort of a, you know, releasing games that were made by other people in Asia as well. So, such as like FIFA Online and Counter Strike Online. Like these are, you know, those are things that they've you know, been releasing. You know, Mabinogi, which is another MMO. That's another kind of major one that they've released. But in any case, yeah, pretty big company. They own a lot of different prop, or at least produce a lot of different properties. Well, and they have opted to invest $874 million into a variety of other game companies. Uh, most notably Hasbro, which people don't think of being a game company, but it is. Bandai Namco, Sega Sammy, and Konami? Yeah, that's a... Yeah, of those, that's sort of the one that's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? They're just going to make they're just going to make uh, pachinko machines. Maybe that's what they're looking for. <laughs> right? Black I, Desert Online Pachinko Machines. I think that's the next song game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bandai Namco, you know, that's a pretty strong property. Hasbro is a strong company. Sega Sammy, they're doing fine now. I mean, they're, they're 
like the Yakuza series in particular has been extremely good for Sega Sammy, but Konami, um, Pachinko, Patchy Slot. I'd like to officially announce um, Silent Metal Gear. Yeah. <laughs> a hybrid of the Silent Hill franchise and the Metal Gear franchise that, when asked, everyone said, no one wants this, but we know what gamers want, so we're making it. And well, you'll get it, both of you fucking fanboys. Well, you know, this opens also up up to, you know, Hasbro, among their properties, is My Little Pony. So, I'd like to officially announce Silent My Little Pony Friendship is Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship is gear. <laughs> uh, yes. Solid Sparkle needs your help. Put in more coins in the slot machine to help him. Ding 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 ding. Oh, you got three stealth bars. You win. This is this is coming along swimmingly. Please hire us. We have. We good could ideas. also invent pachinko machines. Yes. Yeah. We have ideas. What if you like took this idea for a pachinko machine yeah, and made a video game out of it? No, that wouldn't work. I don't know. It's you could call it something like I don't know, Metal Gear Solid Six or <laughs> Five, and fuck with some people. The Metal Gear franchise has never existed outside of the pachinko verse. I- I'm aware, but I suspect you could get some people to buy into it, just as long as it wasn't called something like Metal Gear Survive Two or. Metal Gear Survivor or Survivor Ed or something like that. You know, at this point, you realize that there's been a certain large amount of people that have been born well after Konami's, you know, kind of descend in, descending into patchy slot. Yeah. So there's going to be people that only know Konami as, oh, they make those patchy slot games, right? <laughs> yeah. I there, there was something else I saw recently where it's like, it was the uh, it's the iteration of the franchise you think came out 15 years ago versus the most recent one that came out, and you're like, oh, son of a bitch, because it's accurate. I don't remember what the fuck it was. Now, it was a great one, which I'm looking at it going, oh, I feel old right now. Maybe it was Halo or something, where it's like, the Halo you think came out 15 years ago, the Halo that did, and you're like, oh, I'm old now. Very old. Because Halo 3 did not come out that recently. No, no. I think it did, but it didn't. I don't think it was Halo, but it was something that just was like, oh, my, my, my age. <laughs> Maybe it was Doom, where like, it's like, you think it's like, oh, the Doom that, like, the original Doom came out 15 years ago. It's like, no, Doom 3 came out 15 years ago. And you're like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I'm old. Yeah. That's it for news this week, though. I'm not a super controversial heated week, if you will. Uh, we can bash WoW for you real quick if you want, Alex. I'm sure we can like muster up something for this conversation if you so if you're left out in these proceedings. Alex? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> uh no news this week. We burned through all the news we had in back or not news, um email. No emails this week. We burned through all the backlog we had with our guest last week. We thank you again for sending those in. Get back to writing the myth. Yes, something weird to ask us, or more pertinent, or whatever. Send it in. We love that. We love hearing from you. It makes our day and makes this podcast worth doing. But yeah, wicked awesome cast gmail.com. Spell as it sounds down in the show notes. Guess that means we're more or less done this week, guys. Uh, I'm actually surprised we stowed. Yeah, I'm actually surprised we didn't get any emails considering we had a special guest on. Uh, and maybe yeah. they maybe they're kind of like burned out from last week. We had all the questions last week. <laughs> 
That's all our weirdos said. were like, we made him pay. We're good. Yeah. I've been going to follow up about the Games Workshop thing. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, enjoying we, those. Yeah. Yeah, who would have thought there's uh, Games Workshop fans out there? There's a lot of them. Yeah. They hate themselves. They are the most, like, self. They are one of, except for a very specific chunk of it, one of the most fascinatingly self aware communities out there where it's like, it, they just refer to their hobbies like, yeah, my, my plastic cocaine addiction. That's the thing. It's so expensive. I mean, yeah. I guess less so now that if you just, you know, 3D print your own stuff, but... Uh, it still has problems. Like, that still is technically illegal, and there are tournament rules for that. Like, there's a whole, yeah. like, purity test for oh, models yeah. that they have to pass for tournaments, and yep. I think one of the more inspired things I saw lately, because again, like, I, I don't know why, but I've been staring into that Nightmare Abyss. If you make an army out of nothing but the spur cutoffs from the other models, you can legally use it. Hey. And people have done that for a couple armies. They look stupid, but I'm like, I appreciate this. Some I, ingenuity. Yeah, I appreciate the devotion to that. It's just like weird plastic Roblox men. <laughs> I guess women in theory too, but they definitely have a Roblox feel. But yeah, no. Uh, I don't know if that's it for this week. Anything you two want to talk about before we close it out this week? Um, I actually don't really have anything new. To talk about it, yeah, close out. So, uh, I mean, you can always, guys, you know, the usual social medias, maybe online across the board, all that stuff. Hit me up, say hi. Indeed. Yeah, same for me. I am Kraken Zero. That's Z E R Zero. Don't really have anything planned. Not really anything I'm working on. If I'm on Twitch, I'll usually be posting about it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, but yeah, I. Yeah, I haven't been streaming, just been very busy, so. Any case. Yeah. No, Mordak, M-O-R-D-4-K on my end, on more or less anything worth following me on. I'll probably have more thoughts on Outriders. Like, I was really prepared to play a shocking amount of that game in preparation for this podcast, and because of the servers, I have not been able to, so I don't have my full, like, I've not gotten deep enough into that thing. I feel like really going into depth where I'm like, no, it's fun, but, like, it's... This has a very Anthem vibe to it. Like, Anthem, I couldn't fucking put down. And Outriders, I'm like, I wish I couldn't put you down, but you, I keep getting kicked off these servers. That makes me go play other shit. Probably more on that next week. But, yeah, no, I think that's it for this week. Who wants to close us out? Cue the metal! Cue the metal!